Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Welcome, everyone, to our little party to celebrate the Buddha's birthday. Everyone can hear okay? Good. Uh, I say this uh, every year because uh, the Buddha's birthday comes every year, and we celebrate it each year. That in Japan, it's a little different from uh, the rest of Asia. And even in Asia, there's a couple of different dates for Vesak the Buddha's birth. I forget what I posted before. I remember one was at the start of June, another one's in April, uh, another one's in May, but uh, we're celebrating uh, today, which is the Hanamatsuri, the flower festival in Japan. And uh, Japan uh, decided to go to the Western calendar and to set the day and the other places are still using the lunar calendar and they have their own way of calculating. So that explains the difference. But really, as I remind people, Buddha's birthplace is every time, every moment, and everywhere. It didn't happen in India or Nepal, actually, uh, 2,500 years ago. It's happening now, and it's happening tomorrow. Uh, as we'll see today, tomorrow is now, which is yesterday, for these uh, wise heart. And uh, India is here and where you are. And uh, at the furthest star in the universe, it's there too. All of it is where the Buddha is born and when. And uh, right in your heart too, when you do good, as I say, when you act in a peaceful way, you make the Buddha born in another way, through your life, through your hands. That's another message today. Buddha is always being born in all things, but we cannot constantly see it when we hide it in ugliness and violence and such. But when we choose to do good and act in a peaceful, beautiful way, we might say that we bring the Buddha to life. We're causing the Buddha to be born again uh, through our actions, through our words, through our thoughts, through our deeds. So that is the theme today. Now, uh, you see the little statue up there. That actually, uh, when I uh, did a pilgrimage to India a few years ago, that actually comes from uh, Kushinagara, Lumbini, where the Buddha was born. Uh, some uh, wise uh, merchants figured out that all the people, the pilgrims coming to visit where the Buddha would, was born might like uh, little Buddha statues. So there were uh all different sizes and shapes and this is the one uh, i came home with and you can see um it might look a little strange because the buddha was supposed to be just minutes old uh at the time but there he is standing fully dressed looking like a grown-up pointing to the heaven and the ground what is that all about it 
Uh, first off, it, it reminds me a little, if you've seen the uh, art from the Middle Ages in Europe of Jesus, you know, they painted him as a little adult. Uh, first, I thought they were just bad artists who did not know how to, to paint a baby, but uh, there was actually a little thinking um, behind it that uh, the Buddha or Jesus was so wise was born with such uh, already uh, knowing, maybe the Buddha had already lifetimes behind him that might have been a baby, but it was really a, a fully mature being who was born into the world. So that's a little bit uh, some of the feeling there. And then there's some debate on what the Buddha said when the Buddha was born, because the Buddha was already talking amazingly, amazingly. You know, People say we don't have miracles. It's the other, you know, we're, we're the rational religion, Zen Buddhism, right? It's the other religion that's not scientific, right? So we have our kind of virgin birth here, you know, the, a white elephant was seen in, in the Buddha's mother's dream and entered her, uh, I believe it was the left side. And uh, so that's a little bit like the virgin birth. And he was born, um, she was standing. And then immediately, uh, depending on which version you listen to, uh, the dragons appeared in the sky who rained down waters to, to wash the Buddha. And this is why on, on this day, Hanamatsuri, the flower festival, we, we, and the flowers appeared from the sky. And that's why it's called the flower festival. And the waters that poured forth from the dragon washed the baby purified him, which is why we you see the little children. I put, put a picture of pouring sweet tea on the Buddha. What you do to, on this holiday is you wash the Buddha, you know. And then lotuses appeared from the ground, seven of them, seven lotuses, and the Buddha took seven steps and pointed to the heavens and the earth. And this is where it depends what you think he said. He could have said um, in some versions something like, uh, between the heavens above and the ground below, I alone am the world honored one. You know, that's a very worshipful expression. That's possible. Uh, some uh, other uh, interpretations say uh, something like, with my birth, all things have become born. So I like, uh, have become enlightened. So I, I like that he he pointed to the heavens and the earth and, and maybe you could interpret it to say with the heavens and the earth all things are to be honored and one all things are to be honored and one in heaven and earth you could read it that way too but anyway you see it's a, this is a religious story i'm not so much for these religious stories. I, I don't want to shock you, but I, I have my doubt about the, the elephant story and the, the dragons and the lotuses. And, um, you know, I, I don't actually think he was born walking and talking. This is why some people sometimes suggest that I should leave the Buddhist religion and I'm not, I'm not going anywhere because I tell you, it's all symbolic. It's a matter of the heart. They're stories, they're myths. You find the meaning you want. You don't have to take them literally. There's wonder there that uh, the Buddha was born with such wisdom that he's handing it to us 
and such purity and such goodness. So take it like that. And if you're believing in that other religion too, with the other little adult baby, you, you can take a lot of the miracles there too. Not quite so literally, perhaps. I don't want to comment on the other religion. I'm not one of their theologians, but all these things, all these beliefs, you don't have to take them as uh, real historical events, but take them as wonderful stories that pass real, true wisdom to us through their symbolism. But anyway, enough about the past. Well, enough about the far, far past, 2,500 years ago. We're going to jump ahead to something, uh, a writing uh, that we've been looking at, the Shinjin Mei from a, a thousand years ago. And uh, we've been looking for uh, a, a few months at this. And we have uh, today a little more. Just by coincidence, you might say, it's the Buddha's birthday. And I'm telling you, though, that what we're reading today is certainly about the Buddha's birthday. Even though the Buddha is never mentioned here, it's very interesting. The Buddha is never mentioned, I don't think, anywhere in the Shinjinmei. But I assure you, it's all about the Buddha. As a matter of fact, um, Barbara O'Brien posted an article this week about uh, Taoist influence on Zen. And I'm of the school that says Zen is not Taoism, but what happened is, uh, there are some books that people say Zen and Taoism exactly the same, or uh, Zen and Dogzhen, another, another school, exactly the same. And I say, no, there, there are subtle differences, very important, but what I believe happened is, when the traditional Indian teachings crossed to China, they were heavily influenced and interpreted and, shall we say, spiced with many Taoist worldviews that happened to be perfectly compatible, even enhancing, even, how to say, empowering of the Indian teachings, for example, on emptiness. So what we're reading today certainly has a very Taoist flavor. And I think it would be just ignorant of us to deny it. You'll see, I think you'll see it when you go through. It, it reads like uh, quite a bit. If I gave you this in the Tao Te Ching of a section real quick, and I said, which is which, you'd really have to look at it and think about it a bit because the, the style, the wording is so similar. But this does not mean that Buddhism is Taoism. It was, how to say, influenced, like Christianity was influenced by Judaism, maybe something like that, or, uh, and Greek, Greek philosophy also came in and all merged together, you know, in, in Christianity. Well, here we have Indian beliefs crossing to China and getting flowered with the scent of Taoism and some of the insights, which again, perfectly, beautifully compatible with traditional Indian teachings, for example, by Nargajuna on emptiness, okay? Now, this is about the Buddha's birth, but it's not the Buddha who was born in India. This is the Buddha with a big B, that is the great 
whatever. Now, how, would, how do we realize that? This Shinjin Mei gives us a clue on how to celebrate this Buddha's birthday. It begins, gain and loss, right and wrong, let them go at once. There you go. That's it. Of course, it takes a little explaining. That's my job. That's why you need me here. Set the record straight here. Because if you take this as a one-sided statement, no right and wrong, it, first off, it sounds incredibly amoral. Right? Does that mean nothing is right and wrong and we can go out now and pillage and burn? There's no right and wrong. That's what it says. No, that's not what it's saying at all. It is the reason when we sit Zazen, as we've been doing today, we sit in radical equanimity, dropping judgments of right and wrong, and sitting in what I call the big R, it's just right. It's a big just right that you discover when you drop the human being's small, petty, selfish, personal judgments of what I think is right and what I think is wrong with life and the world and that other political party and that guy and my wife and the cat. We're filled from morning to night with judgments, judgments, judgments. And that's the first thing I say when someone new comes to Zazen is we sit dropping all judgments except that this sitting is right. And there is nothing to add or take away from it because it is complete, the big C complete. Thus, when it says there's no gain or loss, it doesn't mean everything's meaningless. What's the point? Never going to get anywhere. No points to earn. Just give up. That's not the meaning. It means everything is big R right and big C complete when we drop our first personal selfish views of gain and loss what I think is my win, what I think is my loss, what I think is right as I wish it to be, what I think is wrong and I don't wish it to be, when we put all that down, we discover something, something that we believe is what the Buddha knew, something that gives the Buddha life, not the, the one in India, but the one everywhere and every place. Thus we sit Zazen. Continuing, if the eye never sleeps, all dreams will naturally cease. That's a poetic reference that is very popular in Zen. There's been a, a there was a famous Zen book by Gimpo Roshi uh, called The Eye Never Sleeps. And I take it as the great 
awakeness, the great something that's always awake beyond all our petty little dreams of what this small life is. We dream of what is right. We dream of what is wrong. We dream of winning and losing, gain and loss. We dream of me who is not you. We dream a world of separate things, some of which are beautiful like the trees out here on the spring day, but some of, some of which are so ugly. When those dreams clear, because we drop the separation, we drop the judgments and realize the great wholeness of it all, when the dreams clear, we find an I that is always awake. Buddha's eye, of course. Not the little eye that you see up there on that little statue that's made of resin or wood, but the great eye that we're sitting inside of. We're sitting inside the Buddha's eye, and it never sleeps. And when you, for a moment, can know this wisdom, can know this wholeness, your eyes become this eye. But then the dreams return and we get back to this complicated life. We return to the dream. But this great I, E-Y-E, not I, me, I, me, my, I, no, the E-Y-E, this great I, that's a symbol like the blue sky, I sometimes talk about, like the ocean, like the mirror, the mirror mind, I sometimes talk about, this is another symbol of this, this always open eye, never sleeps, never is deluded in this dream. When we, what we're gonna see now though, is something Master Dogen reminded us of, some people think that the purpose of Buddhism or other Asian practices, not just Asian, but this, this kind of, uh, shall we say, non-dual practice, is to get away from all the dreams permanently and just be that eye that's always awake. To just be the clear, open sky without any clouds. And boy, it's a cloudy day here today. We have a little picnic to go to tomorrow, John, but it's supposed to be sunny. Good. I like sunny. I don't like cloudy for my picnic. That's my personal little judgment. But I know the blue sky is up there. Pretty sure, John? I've been in airplanes. I know above the clouds. It's, there, it? it's up there. I've been up there, guys. I, flow. I have an amazing power as a Zen master. I can fly in the sky above the clouds. And I have seen the blue sky above the clouds, flying in my seat on Delta Airlines just before they served lunch. An amazing power as a Zen fellow I have developed. Anyway, I've been up there. The blue sky is always there. The eye is always open. Master Dogen said, however, the dream, the clouds are not actually the problem. The dream, the clouds, that's life. It's part of the show. Dream it well. Dream it well, you see. 
It's not to just escape the dream. If we escape the dream, we have no life. This is going to be the lesson we're going to see in the coming lines here too. And one of also a Taoist influence on, on Buddhism too. There was some early Buddhist thought that the purpose is not to be reborn, to get the heck out of samsara, as they said. Get the heck out of Dodge, as we say in the U.S. Get out of town. The Zen masters had more of a flavor that, yes, yes, that's good. Let's someday be totally free and be perfect Buddha. But in the meantime, we can be free right here in Dodge, right here in samsara, when we have this real, realization that even on the cloudy day, the, the sun is still there, the blue sky is still there. Even when the the mirror is covered in dust. The dust is part of the mirror. And the light illumination of the mirror illuminates the dust. Even the when we're dreaming, the eye is still open. Like that. So that's a kind of non-dualism that doesn't try to get away from the dream. It tries to let us realize that the dream is the awakeness. When we know it is so, and this also says, dream it well, which means, for example, dream it without anger, dream it without excess attachment, dream it without jealousy and such. Okay, continuing, if the mind makes no discriminations, the myriad things are one suchness. Some people think that the purpose of Buddhism is to get completely away from seeing a world of separate things and just experience the one. This is actually a, a place where Buddhism maybe gets away from Taoism. We don't talk about it quite the same way. The purpose is, how to say this? Everything becomes somehow the wholeness and at the same time is encountered in a new way when everything becomes just such, just what it is. And it's hard to explain, but I like to say that everything becomes its own shining jewel in its way, because what was dark and, and this complicated, friction-filled, sometimes violent world, the light of this eye, the light of this wholeness, floods again into each and everything which is revivified and becomes just such, just a jewel. Even the ugly things that we wish were not there. So if the mind makes no discriminations, the myriad things are one suchness. This one suchness embodies the mystery released from all entanglements. When you have a wholeness, you can't have frictions because you need division and fighting and conflict to have frictions. But when you have one single whole, there's no fighting in itself. There are no entanglements, you see. It's down here on the world where we live, where we have the divided dream that we experience all the divisions, which leads to all the conflicts and frictions, you see. One suchness embodies the mystery released from all entanglements. When all things are seen equally, they return to themselves. That's as I said, it's not that everything disappears, it kind of returns 
to being what it was, but not as before. The famous saying, mountains are mountains, mountains are not mountains, mountains are mountains again. And that um, applies to everything, the grass, the rusty tin can in the street, unfortunately, all the suffering in this world too. We see that there's a light that shines even through all the suffering. That doesn't mean that uh, we shouldn't work to eliminate the suffering. If you see the rusty tin, tin can on the side of the road, it's beautiful, it's a jewel. Sometimes, have you ever had this experience? You see something that you shouldn't see as beautiful and the sun just hits it right and it lights up and you go, it's amazing, amazing. There's a, there's a little piece of trash by the side of the road. It's, it's like a miracle. Look at that shape, look at the forms, look at the light. Beautiful. Then what do you do? Well, pick it up, my friend. Don't leave a rusty tin can by the side of the road. It's not good to litter this world. Um, appreciate the beauty and then make this world more lovely. Well, it's kind of like that. So there's all this ugliness in the world. Poverty, war, suffering children. I assure you that the, the blue sky is there, but it's our job at the same time to bow, recognize the light, and then make it better, you see. It's our dream, yes. We have a job to dream it better, you see. When all things are seen equally, they return to themselves. In this causeless, relationless state, no comparisons or analogies are possible. This shows how ancient Soto Zen teachings are. Because we say everything is just as it is. And that's not giving up. That's not our saying that, oh, we don't care what everything is, doesn't matter. It's saying everything is preciously, wonderfully, shining just as it is, including the rusty tin cans of life. Because they are all at the same time, this causeless, relationless state. The wholeness, the flowing, this mystery, because we, we don't even put words on it, is the tree, is the child, is the stone, is you and me, is the rusty tin can, and sadly is the poverty and the war in this world, which we should then proceed to bow to and fix. Because this is not telling us to get away from the complexities of this world. It's saying that there's something beyond just the complexity. And this is where the Buddha is born. Because the next lines say, notice this, in rest or movement, nothing moves. In movement or rest, nothing rests. So when we think, wait a second, I'm trying to find stillness, that means everything should be peaceful and still. No. Our practice is to realize that all the movement, even the chaos of this world, is still. Even as it keeps moving. And the stillness 
is movement. And the movement is still. And small, again, in the stupid box between our ears, we have our own human measures of what I think is still, what I think is movement, though folks like Einstein will point out to you that when you think you're still, you're not. We're still moving through space. What is it? Uh, just going around the sun at, what is it, 40,000 kilometers a second, something like that. And you feel like you're sitting there still? Ha ha, my friend. You have the amazing power. You're flying through space. We're flying through space, my friend. We are. Stillness is the motion. Motion is the stillness. But this is talking about the big S again, stillness. That is all the world's motion. And it, the world never rests. If the world rests, there would be no life. The life, the movement, the fertility of this world, the change, even the, the jungle, the, the vibrancy of spring, the, the, the flowers pushing up through the earth, all of it, even the mess that's sometimes our own life. Right, Hato? Boy, you've seen a lot of movement recently, huh? Is still. Is still. And silent. When such... Dualities cease to exist. Oneness itself cannot exist. Underline this part, my friends. The complexity is the oneness. The oneness is the complexity, so much so that even toss away these words and just realize form is emptiness, emptiness is form. The movement is the stillness. The stillness is the noise. The silence with a big S of this universe is our small human measures of what's quiet or noisy to us. You see, all the noise, the cacophony, that's a word I learned in high school. Remember that? Cacophony. The ugly noise, I think it means, right? All that, cac oh, I'm sorry, I'm pronouncing it wrong. Probably a tinier. I think it's cacophony. Oh, I'm sorry. Cacophony. The cacophony, not cacophony. Mm -hmm. Cacophony is what my grandmother used to say. Hey, you oh, cacophony. No, cacophony. The cacophony is the great harmony. Oh, not the harmony. The harmony is the cacophony, which is the great silence, which is all the noise of the world, like that. To this ultimate finality, no law or description applies. Because once you start putting names, labels on it, it's so whole that it, you put a name or label, you got to start labeling it, comparing it to something. And it's be, literally beyond compare. So that's why old mystics say, don't, shh, don't put a word on it. All this talk I'm doing today again is to remind you to shut up and stop talking. All this describing is <clears throat> to describe something that should be beyond labels and description <clears throat> For the simple reason, it's so whole, it's so complete, it's so nothing outside it that if you put a label on it, just to, you, we put labels in, able, in order to get an idea of it to hold in the stupid box between our ears. Right? We got to stuff it down, make it compact, put a name on it, a label, and hold it in there so we get some semblance of it. Okay? 
And I'm telling you, it's so whole, so complete that uh, it doesn't fit. Uh, it, no, no label can hold it like that. That's what it's all. The, all the mystical writings basically say that, don't they? Not just this one. For the unified, peaceful mind, all self-centered striving ceases. Doubts completely vanish, and a life of trust is possible. This is where I think the name comes here, the Shin Shin Mei, which is the trust mind song, and it's debated what it means. But here we see it's the mind which may be the great mind of all that holds, but the mind that trusts in the big okay. That's what I'm gonna, that's what I came up with today. You see, there's a big okay about this world that we trust when we experience what this Shin Shin Mei is describing. All I can describe it is, we trust that there's somehow in this mess of a chaotic, sometimes so ugly, but so beautiful world, there's somehow a big, with a big O and a big K, a big OK. And we trust this. And we experience that even when, right, Hato, life sometimes just ain't OK. Oh, boy. There are days when it's not OK. My bad back right now, it's not OK. But somehow, even so, there's a big A-OK, and that's what this is pointing to. And at that time, when we do this, all self-centered striving ceases. But then again, that doesn't mean we give up in life. Life is still a struggle sometimes. We got to work. Get up in the morning, put your pants on, get to work, right? Bills to pay. What does this mean? It means somehow in all the struggle and striving, when we taste this, the silence is the motion. The stillness is the, wait, I got that back. The silence is the noise. The stillness is the motion. The non-striving is right in the heart of all our striving. It doesn't mean I cannot promise you a life where, oh, guys, you're never going to have to strive again. You're going to go through all life in the zone. Everything's going to be smooth like you're made of Teflon. Never going to have a problem again. Never going to have a bad back or a bad day. Can't promise you that, guys. But I promise you, if you can taste at the center of that, what the Shin Shin Mei is describing, you will know non-striving right amid and as all your striving. That I can promise you. Uh, when Chris, uh, uh, got to consult with you uh, later, Chris, I'm going to the gym with my back. Uh, I'll be in touch. But I go to the gym and I try to non-strive. I hate Sometimes the exercise, it hurts so much. I'm the only one in the gym who yells. Everyone looks over at me. Japanese people don't yell in the gym. I don't know what that is. I'm like, ah, like this in the gym. Everybody looks at me like, I don't know. Why, why. Chris, we got to discuss this. Japanese people don't seem to yell in the gym. When I went to the gym in America, everyone's yelling. I don't know what the difference is. But I, I get to the last rep, you know, the last one, ah, like that. I'm striving, okay? But in the midst of the striving, I'm trying to know non-striving, non-striving. Okay, let's, let's keep going here. Doubts completely vanish and a life of true trust in the big A-OK -okay is possible. 
With a single stroke, we are freed from fixation. Nothing clings to us and we hold to nothing. Yes, we still have things we want. Yes, we may have some light attachments. Yes, I still love my wife and I'm not going to deny it that I would be a little upset if she wasn't around or the cat too uh, and my kids and my house. I'm not going to say I'm the great Buddhist, that I'm completely free of all attachments. I keep them down to a reasonable level, but at the heart of it, I know non-attachment. It's very strange. In the heart of your fixations, you can know freedom and non-attachment. Um, the only way I could describe it, if my house, my wooden house burned down, real possibility, it seems like one is burning down here in Iraqi prefecture every day, Chris. You notice that in the news? Boy, it's probably because we all live in wooden houses. But if it did burn down, I would tell you I would cry and be at peace at the same time. Don't ask me to explain what that means. You, if you experience it, you will know exactly what it means. I will feel loss if the cat dies. I will feel loss if uh, I suffer a great tragedy in life. But at the same time, there's a great peace and stillness at the heart of it. And this is our Zen practice. And this is what the Shinjin Mei is talking about. And this is the very spot where the Buddha is born. With a single stroke, we are freed from fixation. Nothing clings to us and we hold to nothing. All is empty, clear, and self-illuminating with no exertion of the mind's power. When we sit Zazen, we can taste this very radically, I think. Uh, but then when we get off the Zafu and get back to life, we have to just know the clearness that's in all the clouds. And we have to know the, the lack of fixation and exertion in a world where, boy, we got things to do and Pains in the back or the neck sometimes. So then it says, here thought, feeling, knowledge, and imagination are of no value because it is such clarity. But I tell you again that thought, feeling, knowledge, and imagination make our world, make our life. Uh, David Loy even has a wonderful book. I think the world is the world is made of stories. That's something like that. The title. David Loy is a wonderful Zen teacher, and he said we're all living in stories. We all make our own story. We're all living in shared stories. All our myths that we learn from the time we're little babies, like the Buddha there, and we get bigger. We just learn stories, and we're part of the story. And the story is made of our thoughts and our feelings and our knowledge and a good deal of imagination. And what this Shinshin Mei is, is, is telling us is, no, as long as you're alive, we're going to live a life of thoughts and feelings, knowledge and imagination. You couldn't live. You would be a stone. You would be a, a, a tree if you did not have thoughts, feelings, knowledge and imagination. As far as I know, my pine tree in the garden here does not have thoughts, feelings, knowledge and imagination, some, maybe a little feeling. Some scientists say it has a little feeling. I don't know, but um, probably not like us. We are incredible creatures in the universe. Somehow, we are the universe doing something that uh, the trees can't do, the stones can't do. Maybe my cat does a little. Maybe the ants do a tiny bit. But we do it, so, at least on this planet, better than anyone. To be human beings, we are 
Thought, feeling, knowledge, and imagination. Now, this is saying that uh, when we get past the thoughts, feelings, knowledge, and imagination, we find a great wholeness, a great clarity. That's true. But I'm here to tell you what Master Dogen and many of the Zen teachers said is, okay, you know something beyond thought, feeling, knowledge, and imagination, but as you live your life of thought, feeling, knowledge, and imagination, know there's nothing wrong with it. Just have... I know you're, you, you can anticipate what I'm going to say. Have good thoughts. Have peaceful feelings. Have wise knowledge. And have a beautiful imagination. For if we create this world through thoughts, feelings, knowledge, and imagination, it's our job, even though there's something beyond all that, that's right at the heart of it. But while we're in this life of thoughts, feelings, knowledge, and imagination, it's our job to learn to think the good thoughts, learn, learn to spread the good feelings, the peaceful feelings, learn to enhance the wise knowledge, and learn to dream with our imaginations a beautiful life dream. And that is how the Buddha is born. Happy birthday, Buddha. There I went again, 40 minutes telling you it's not about words. <laughs> what the heck is that about? Okay, any uh, questions, complaints, or requests for a refund? Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, Jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.